Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's just something when I finally had the chance to see him, I was just like, how could it be that I've been listening to this person's music for so long and enjoying it and loving it? And I just never was able to to see him in concert there's just like you said there's so much stuff but this show was fantastic and helped out very much by a cousin of mine whose name is john hoffman who has been working for bruce for some time i think off and on but like for decades he's been part of the crew the road crew he reached out to me a couple of days before the show back in 2012 and a couple of days before this show is like, Hey Tim, are you interested in going to see Bruce Springs? And I'm like, yeah. I was resigned to the fact that I was going to miss this show because the ticket prices were so high. It was just out of my price range. And we don't need to get into all that, you, you know, but it just personal choice. I was, it was just too much. So I was resigned to the fact that I wasn't going to be able to go to this show. And two days or three days before, an angel from heaven, Tim, the great Tim Hoffman here, he texts me and says, I have, I just got two comp tickets to see Springsteen. Do you want to go? I'm like, this is insane. Like, how does this happen? This doesn't happen to normal yes. people. Again, like easiest, easiest answer ever to any question. And yeah. I said, yes, let's go. I was peppering Tim then with questions like, where are the seats? Where are we going to be? He was like, I don't really know. We're just going to go pick up the tickets and see what happens. And they were in the pit. We were right. I mean, we, we were like maybe five people deep from yeah. the stage. Everyone and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host Jesse Jackson. Joining me is a been way too long since my friend from Rock in the Suburbs has been on. Jim, welcome back to the podcast. Oh, thanks very much, Jesse. I know it's been a long time, and it's a joy always, anytime. I'd love yeah. to. Yeah, and uh, I will tell you. We're going to invite our other guests in a minute, but I did want to say that, oh, how much fun I've had voting and following the countdown to the top American bands. That was, <laughs> though, I, my poor Beach Boys did not fare as well as I thought they would, but that happens. I was telling, and by the way, Tim, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you so much for having me. Jim, it's yeah. good to see you again. Yeah. So I was sharing with Tim that we just did, and in a timey-wimey way, this episode will probably come out after I've released it, we did 256 Springsteen songs and marched it down to one. 
Wow. And, and yes, it took three hours on a Saturday. My that's how crazy I am as a suburb dad. My wife and son were out of town. What do I do? I podcast for three hours. Yeah. Racing in the street ended up being number one. Oh, wow. wow. Fantastic song. I know. Okay. Yes. And so we were, yeah, so it, that was a lot of fun. We had a good time. That's uh, cool. I like that a lot because it's a great song, but, but a bit of a surprise. Right? Exactly. Not, yeah. Everybody would just assume it would be born to run or thunder road or so racing in the street. That's awesome. Yeah. So we did the 64, we had a field of 64 American bands. We did this in conjunction with our podcast, Rock in the Suburbs, there was a daily vote, different matchup every day. It took two months to get through the whole thing. But we did it just for fun and because when people talk about the greatest bands ever, they tend to be dominated by British acts. And so we were like, well, if you eliminate those, you just focus on the American bands, who would it be? And Beach Boys were the overall number one seed going in. And... They got upset by talking heads by three votes when that matchup came up in the third round or something mm -hmm. like that. Uh, so that was really interesting. So it was super, super tight, that upset. But that was fun. Yeah, yeah that, that was really fun. And was... R.E.M. ended up winning the whole thing. People won. Nice. I can't, I can't give a complaint about that. Yeah, I yeah, felt yeah. that's valid. One of the things we did is, as I, we ended up splitting this up in three different episodes, and after the third, I'm going to send a link to the website where we tracked it so that people could see how could have darkness not won. And one of the guys who joined us, like after we wrapped it up, he showed his lip to me, he says, I had the final four as Born to Run, Thunder Road, Darkness on the Edge of Town, and like my bracket would have been lost. And <laughs> But it was, I thought it was a lot of fun because you start discussing and you go, okay, this goes over this. And you're right. If you just ask what's one of the greatest American bands, you would have the Beach Boys right away. And uh, then to have something else is very cool. It All right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jesse, I was going to say, like you mentioned, uh, being surprised when the Beach Boys lost by three votes to the Talking Heads in the third yeah. round. I, went, I had some similar experiences when some of my favorite bands in that, like Los Lobos, I think lost maybe in the first round. First round, yeah. To the Go-Go's. And I was like, yeah. oh man, I love Los Lobos. But hey, yeah. that's, the way, that's the way the vote went. Yeah. But it was so much fun. And there were so many, Jim, much better than I, but there were so many of the matchups that the results came down to one or two vote, three votes was difference. Very close. It was just like the NCAA tournament. There were blowouts, and then there were like so many that were really like down buzzer beaters, right? Down to the wire. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. A lot of fun. So a that sounds fun. a lot of fun. And yeah, I've enjoyed following that along. Hey, we're here to talk, Bruce. But before I do that, tell us a little about yourself, Tim. My name's Tim Hoffman. I live here in Northern Virginia now. I grew up, and I think it's maybe important in terms of my like connection to Bruce Springsteen's music. It's like I grew up in Northeast Ohio in Canton in the shadow of Cleveland, which is less, as far as my understanding is like, it's just a famously Bruce Springsteen loving city. And Bruce was just 
his music was as I was growing up like a teenager was just it was just everywhere so it wasn't something like I had to seek out and, and um, one of the radio stations I grew up listening to was WS in Cleveland Ohio and every during my like formative teenage years when I was really getting into rock and roll and really these are the bands that I like this is the like finding my identity in music like WF every Friday at five o'clock kicks off the weekend with Born to Run like every Friday that's it so that was and we heard it every weekend because that's we're out of school finishing up part-time jobs or doing whatever and we're getting ready to go out friday night to a party with friends or we're going to go find something to do so it was just like very much everywhere and his music in terms of the music i was collecting i would say like darkness on the edge of town is really where i really built put some roots down in terms of I love this album. I own this album and like really listened to it seriously. And then went back and listened to some of his earlier stuff. But the, to this day, I love all his music, but to this day, Darkness on the Edge of Town just stands out to me as, wow, this, I can listen to this anytime, anywhere. It's going to take me back to that time and that place. And so it's very important to music to me, although, you know, and I never had a I had many chances, but I never took the chance to like see him in concert, even though he came around a lot, but I didn't, it wasn't until 2012 that I saw Bruce in concert, but so I've seen, but I've seen him twice now. So that's, it's, I've made up for all of those concerts I missed when I was younger. I make the argument that much like in a football game, when the team misses an extra point and they chase that the rest of the game. If you, when you go to your first Bruce show, you now are chasing all the chances you missed before. And you're like, <laughs> okay, I've got to go. I've got to go. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So Jim is half of the amazing Rock in the Suburbs podcast, has been on the podcast multiple times, and they've been nice enough to have me hang out with them as well. But for those of us who may not have heard you before, you want to give us your little elevator pitch, Jim? Sure, sure. And before I do, one thing I want to say to your listeners who are probably already grousing, how did Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band not win Best American Band? They were not eligible by our criteria we had. We considered that more of a performer with a backing band, if that makes sense, as opposed yes. to a, a band as a whole. All right. Just want to make sure, because I'm sure that you're going to start getting angry letters about that. Okay. But, and that <laughs> makes sense just for a minute, right? Because even though originally Bruce made the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a yeah, and then the band came as a separate entity, that's right. and that's him and Stephen had a little words about that. Yeah, and later he came to agree that it is the sum of the parts is greater. Yeah, but we had to set some criteria, and that was one of them that we wanted to that we wanted yeah. the, them to be more. Yeah, sort of more bands. Anyway, okay, a Rock in the Suburbs. We've been doing it for I don't know seems like a very long time at this point. It's a five-day-a-week podcast about music. I wish we had a great elevator pitch that, like you do, like you have a real great point of view with your show and other music podcasts do. We just go
go on, my, my co-host and I, Patrick Foster, we just kind of go on and talk about any number of things related to music. Like it, it can be from talking about concert experiences to do, we have done interviews in the past. We do, we talk about albums that are having an anniversary maybe. We, but I think, I, but I think the most important thing is that we, about our show is that we really try to engage the audience a lot and get them to participate like you do with yours. And that's how I met Tim. That's how I've met a lot of other great people. And we, a lot of times we'll come up with the topics based on what the audience wants to talk about. And so that to me is the most fun part of it. And so there you go. Yeah. Yeah. You guys have done book reports. You guys have done concert reviews. You guys routinely do hoot nannies, jams. Yeah, it's a great community. It is a wonderful, tight fan base that I love I'm part of. I resist. I, I often go to the Facebook page and will comment on things. I resist every week going, hey, here's a Springsteen episode. Oh. It's only when I think of, okay, I think the general audience might enjoy this. But yeah, yeah I'm very proud to be part of the family and uh, great stuff. And we, I do think one of the things that I think about often because of you and Patrick is I don't explore new music as much as I should. And I decided part of that is because I keep exploring new podcasts and I explore new podcasts. Mm -hmm. The time that I would have spent listening, I don't. But coming up, I, I do a Babylon 5 podcast, and what that has to do with music is we routinely just pick another pop culture thing to discuss. We may talk about the Netflix show The English or other TV shows, devs, and I had my two co-hosts watch Western Stars, the film, talk about it, and they both – one of them liked it more than the other one. But the one from Canada said, can we do a the Tragically Hip episode? Mm -hmm. And I had no idea. Okay, I've heard I, Skip and Josh are a Canadian podcast. They talked about the hip, but I haven't done a deep dive. Oh, my goodness. They are so good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're wondering, how did they never – crossover to it, us it's a weird thing it's a weird thing we have a number of fans of the tragically hip like serious fans of the tragically hip within our community so it, they've definitely come up from time to time and it's funny they either tend to be our canadian listeners because they are that band is huge yes. in canada or they tend to be listeners who are, are in the northern u.s and somehow became hip to the hip yeah. <laughs> virtue of proximity but it's yeah they're really big and thank you for also mentioning the new music thing that's actually another big tentpole of our podcast is that every month we have listeners contribute what new music they discovered in the previous month and then we make those into a series of episodes and it's if i would just say for anybody out there if you're ever just interested in what's some new music that may appeal to 
let's say older listeners who are most of our community, right? But I think that's important to say because we all come at it from a certain sensibility of the music we grew up with, right? This is a good way to do that. You can listen, pick any month, listen to the series of episodes on new music, and you're bound to find something. For sure. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned it because I was just thinking that like those episodes of the podcast are some of my favorites because I know that I'm going to hear some recommendations from some people that I know and trust and and it's going to be something it's going to be something good it's going to be something new and it's most more likely than not it's probably going to be something that I'm not familiar with already and so it's going to expose me introduce me to something new the hoot nannies that the community the rock in the suburbs community hosts also are and were have been like a really rich source of new music for me too because many times as the kind of the uh, the microphones being passed around so to speak and people are taking their turns playing songs in the hoot nanny and i don't know for some reason when i started joining the hoot nannies i'm like i'm gonna be the guy who's like taking notes at who sang what and what song and keeping a record of that and then putting a playlist together but so many times after someone finishes a song i would be like oh my god that's great by the way, what's the name of that song and who's the artist? Because I'm not familiar with it. And, and from there, boy, I just picked up so many new bands that I, and artists that I love now. And I'm like, why? And part of it is I felt like, why, how did I not find this music earlier? How is this not something that I was into, but there's just so much good music out there. And Jesse, you talked about like the music, the Tragically Hip in Canada. Like, there's just, there's a whole wealth of music and friends Jesse, in Sweden me, introduce us yeah, to please, stuff too. Yeah. Real quick, if not for this episode that, you, that you're recording right now, but if you ever want I, to do a future episode of Set Lusting Bruce in which I could talk about newish bands that are influenced by Springsteen. Oh, done. Oh, uh, yeah, I could do that. Yeah. I could do that, no problem. Because I always think of, and I often, you a book or a song or a poem or a movie will have a different meaning than possibly the creator meant. But I think one of you and Patrick's core beliefs is the cliche is that dad music that we're all stuck in classic rock and that we don't want to listen to anything new and you two are expanding the gospel that there every year is a golden year for music absolutely you can say the british invasion or grunge or punk rock or all these different things and you could all make an argument that's where one of the highlights but the reality is jason isbel has a new album coming out i'm gonna go see him for the first time in may i'm excited i've loved his last two albums he has an hbo special as we're recording this coming out Lucinda Williams' new album has Patty and Bruce singing on them, and she talked about in the interview how lovely they were. And there's just other new bands that 
And I will, one of the things I try to do on this podcast is I throw open the door to up and coming singer, songwriters, musicians, and I'll go, hey, join me. Let's talk about music. And whether, and why I'm not a Bruce fan, I don't care. I, I, I'm going to ask you the Mary question because that's what I ask everyone. But yeah, so this is great. Okay. Uh, all right. So let's book that. Okay. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. So the reason we're having you on here, not only did we want to catch up, but you guys just did a Springsteen experience tim talk about it this was your second time correct yeah second time to see bruce and this was just a couple weeks ago now at march 27th i believe monday at the capital one arena in washington dc which is about like 11 years or so after i saw him the first time also here in dc that was at the the Nats Park Baseball Stadium back in September of 2012. That was the first time for me to see Bruce. And they were both memorable. And I think this might have been before Jim got on, but like having not having seen Bruce before is just something when I finally had the chance to see him, I was just like, how could it be that I've been listening to this person's music for so long and enjoying it and loving it? 
and I just never was able to see him in concert. There's just, like I said, there's so much stuff, but this show was fantastic. And it, it was helped out very much by a cousin of mine, whose name is John Hoffman, who has been working for Bruce for some time, I think off and on, but like for decades, he's been part of the uh, crew, the road crew doing lights and helping to run lights for Springsteen when he's on tour going way back. I'm not sure exactly how far back, but as for the last 20 something years, he's been working with Bruce pretty regularly, but he's worked with other artists, but he reached out to me a couple of days before the show back in 2012 and a couple of days before this show is like, Hey Tim, are you interested in going to see Bruce Springs? And I'm like, yeah. And easy well, question. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Very easy question that I had to think about for about half a second, but it was uh, just a fantastic show. We can go into more detail about the set list or whatever, but like very wonderful show and just just yesterday after Jim contacted me I was able to like download the mp3 of the concert and order the cd so I can have a keepsake but I was just listening to it this morning I'm like oh my god I was there you know, it's just, <laughs> just that feeling of yep those people screaming in the crowd between songs or singing along with him on out in the streets I'm my voice is in there I was there screaming pretty damn loud, and it was such a great time. Jim, you, what do you think about? Yeah, so Jim, remind me how many times you've seen Bruce perform. So this was number seven okay. for me, and my experience similar to, to uh, Tim's in a way, though, because the, the only time I saw Springsteen, you know, classic Springsteen, I guess you'd say, was the Tunnel of Love tour. Okay. That was my first show, and... And people who remember that tour, it was kind of different. Like it was staged differently and there was some like theatrics and stuff to it. So I remember it being a really good show, but I also never, I felt like I didn't actually see a proper Springsteen show. Then he goes and takes 10 years off or whatever. And then when he comes back, that was a time when I had young kids. So I wasn't really in like concert going mode for quite a while. Yes. So I didn't get to see him again until the working on a dream tour. Okay. And so whatever, whenever that was 15 years ago or so. And yeah. then, and that was here in Washington, DC at the same arena that Tim and I just went to. And I was so blown away at that show. First of all, I got to be in the pit on that one and I was just, I was up close and it was, I was so blown away by that show that I was like, from now on, I have to go every time Bruce comes to Washington, DC. Right. And so I've been able to do that, but I was resigned to the fact that I was going to miss this show because the ticket prices were so high. It was just out of my price range and we don't need to get into all that, you, you know, but it just you know, personal choice. I was, it was just too much. So I was resigned to the fact that I wasn't going to be able to go to this show. And two days or three days before, an angel from heaven, Tim, the great Tim Hoffman here, he texts me and says, 
I have, I just got two comp tickets to see Springsteen. Do you want to go? I'm like, this is insane. Like, how does this happen? This doesn't happen to normal yes, people. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Right? So I was, again, like easiest, easiest answer ever to any question. And yeah. I said, yes, let's go. And I was peppering Tim then with questions like, where are the seats? Where are we going to be? He was like, I don't really know. We're just going to go pick up the tickets and see what happens. And they were in the pit. We were right. I mean, we, wow. we, we were like maybe five people deep from yeah. the stage. Wow. Oh yeah. my God. I'm, so I'm Talk sorry to all, all the listeners out there who hate me now, but this oh. is the good karma. Good karma. Yes, good I'm karma. Something. It's something. I'm doing something right. Yes. Cosmic space. Yeah. Very nice. So next time he's coming somewhere near Dallas, Tim, come visit. Yeah. I will feed you <laughs> Tex Mex and barbecue. Oh my God. Uh, you, that's it right there yeah so, yeah there has been a lot of noise about tickets and i have been at times i feel like a lone voice in the wilderness going yes it's been seven years since the band has toured there is a lot of built-in anticipation and if you want to go to madison square garden and be in the pit the demand is bigger than yeah. supply and it's yeah. going to be expensive yeah and and I have no personal choice. If you want to spend 200 bucks for an upper level ticket, I get it. I understand. To me, I got to be where the bands are, to quote Bruce. So I'll start with you, Tim. Had you done any research on what the set list was this tour? No, I hadn't. And that's just the way I... That's refuse. the way you roll. Yeah, like it's my kind of like refusal to prepare for the experience I'm about to have. I, because I respect yeah, that. Yeah, everyone can go on. Yeah, and I respect others who are interested in knowing about the set list. But I, I just, I feel like I want to be surprised or I don't want to be, wait a minute, I thought on the set list, it's, I thought he was supposed to play this song or that song. So usually I try to, turn my head away if a set list if i'm really close at a smaller show and the set list is right there on the floor i'm like ah, <laughs> don't look there and just let the band do what they want to do and just be surprised and and that that's how it was for this show because i know you go into set list dot what fm or whatever yeah and see i'm like i don't want to see it i know some of the songs that he's probably going to play but for this show, just a couple of weeks ago, there were definitely some songs that I'm like, okay, that song I hadn't even thought of in a long time because I wouldn't consider myself like a really on top of everything and know all the albums front and frontward and backward, you know. So there were some songs on there that really surprised me. And I'm like, wow, I'm actually, I got to think about what album that's on. I was just talking to Jim last night about the performance of Kitty's Back at the show at the Capital One and how much, number one, that song in the set list surprised me. And then how much I loved that arrangement of the song and, and, and Bruce's guitar solo in that song. And I was just like, how much... Jim mentioned to me, like, wow, Bruce often gets overlooked as, 
as a lead guitarist. Yes, he does. And one of the things I've always loved about Bruce is the sound of his guitar and his leads that he's played, be it in like Bruce songs or I, would, I know I had mentioned to Jim a couple times, like a recent, like that VH1 documentary that was done on Warren Zevon, yeah. uh, Enjoy Every Sandwich. And the, yeah. the Bruce's contribution in the song Disorder in the House, which like was recorded for The Wind, that last album that Warren Zevon put out. But the guitar solo that Bruce plays in that song, I'm like, that's probably my top five favorite guitar solos ever. And the fact that he just laid that down in the sound room, like three feet in front of Warren Zevon, while Warren Zevon's sitting in a chair and Bruce is standing right in front of him, just like killing that guitar solo is just great. So Kitty's back really got me. And, uh, and the solo in that was just, I was listening to the MP3 of that again and again. And Bruce is, he's a great guitarist. And I just have so much respect for the whole band they're like a force of nature and an american treasure as far as i'm concerned so i'm like in the mind what jim mentioned here a couple minutes ago boy when he comes back i want to yeah. if i can have a chance to see him again i'd like to see him yeah. again because why not it's so much fun yeah so had you listened to letter to you before had you spent any time with it no and okay. And I love that you're shaking your head. No. No. I heard of the album and saw that it came out. And I'm slow on, I'm always coming back to things maybe a couple years after they come out with some artists. And that's one. But I have to say that I really appreciated and enjoyed so much uh the the encore finale the yeah. last song of the encore when i'll see you in my dreams yeah and that just hit me and the fact that he's standing there is bruce his guitar and everyone is just like listening looking and listening and i thought yeah. this is that's how you end a show like yeah if you have access to apple tv they had a making of letter to you. I recommend it incredibly. Even uh, I recommend to people who aren't Bruce fans because seeing them interact, it's really beautiful. The album is all about endings and yet beginnings. And yep. it is wonderful. He tells that great story about losing the last band member, George Thies. And so I had... And I'm going to get to you in a minute, Jim. One of the things that when I went to the devil, when I went to the rising, which was my first show, I had not looked up the set list. I had not studied. And I felt like I'd gone halfway into a movie where I could tell it was a really great movie, but I didn't know what was going on. Uh -huh. So I do totally embrace the, I want to be surprised. I want to, in case there's a test afterwards, I want to have done my study. <laughs> So, Jim, I, you were nodding your head. I take it you have spent a little bit of time with Letter to You. Oh, gosh, I love that record. Yeah. Absolutely. As soon as it came out, I was like, oh, this is, um, yeah, I don't, it just reminded me of that feeling you get listening to the Born in the USA album or something like that. It just felt yeah. like this great E Street Band record that we've been yeah. waiting for. It's just wonderful. Yeah. And I also think 
interestingly, I remember listening to it the first few times I listened to that album and the stand to me, the standout track and the one that I just knew was going to fit perfectly into the live show was ghosts. And I think yeah. every, and I'm not the only one who felt that way. I think a lot of people felt that way. And that, isn't that the case? I think it's, it was like the, maybe the third, second yeah. or third, third song, song played, right? All of us had money that like ghost is how they're going to start. Right. Yeah. He's going to come out. I hear the sound of your guitar. Right. Burning Train was a little bit. And a buddy who shall remain nameless, the day of the Tampa show, texted me and said, no surrender. Book it. I'm like, you're kidding. He goes, just trust me. All these people that are saying I'm full of crap, book it. And so it yeah, but Ghost is amazing. I got lucky. I was in Houston and Austin, and he did If I Was the Priest live, which I was oh, thrilled wow. about. So your thoughts, Jim, and then I want to get into a little bit of the thoughts on the set list, but what were your okay. thoughts on the show? Okay, just the show in general. First off, I want to echo what Tim said about the closing song, yeah. uh, I'll See You in My Dreams. Just brilliant. Just a brilliant way to end the show. I just thought it was fantastic. By the way, practically moves you to tears, I think. I a couple people that are unwise, I will be kind. Like, man, why does he want to end in such a downer? I have shared this uh, on the podcast. I saw him on February 10th. That was the first show. On February 9th, I got word that my brother, who had been fighting cancer, they said it's time. He's not going to make it. We're talking days, not weeks. And so he was in Houston. We couldn't, because of COVID, you couldn't be there. My sister said, look, Dean would want you to go to the show, go to the show. So when he says, I'll see you in my dreams, uh, <laughs> I lost it, right? Yeah. And then on my brother died on that Monday the 13th, and then I was in Houston to see, and then I'll see you in my dreams. I've often said that I want my son to record, to quote, Land of Hope and Dreams at my funeral, but now then, I'll see you in my dreams. It's, it is so perfect. It is a perfect way, and people are like, why do you want to leave on a downer? I'm like, no. This is, he's sending you out. Life is short and enjoy it and death is not the end what a powerful statement oh it's great and interesting you bring up the funeral because i always i had thought of that too i used to always say that i wanted the song played at my funeral to be something really upbeat and happy for everybody so you could just celebrate and so i would right. always point to van halen's dance the night away i thought that'd be a good way to go out <laughs> but uh, but now i don't know now i'm thinking i'll see you in my dreams might be the way to go so i'll put you guys in charge you can okay there we go I loved it because, yes, the sentiment of the song was perfect, but I also love the way it was Bruce solo. Like you had this one last sort of, between audience and performer, this one last sort of really intimate moment. The way, no backing band, just him playing. To me, the, I thought the, that solo arrangement was even better than the sort of band arrangement that you hear on the studio album. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I do. I, I agree. So intense, just such an intense moment. Now, I will say, 
I wish I had that. You ever see that movie? Oh, what's that movie with Jim Carrey where they erase the memories? Do you yeah. know what I'm talking about? Uh, yes. Something or other of the spotless yeah. mind. Yeah, tur Turtle yeah. Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I wish I had that machine so I could blip out the guy who, as I was walking out of the arena, some some random fan there was like, why did he end with that song? He should have ended with a hit. Nobody knows that song. I don't know that song. <laughs> and I was just like, God, you took this great moment and you've just yeah. <laughs> brought it down just a little bit in my mind. But anyway, I won't I, No, I that's exactly because I've seen people, man, it's a downer. Why no? You've got us rocking, and then why okay. no end with I, the wild song? And it's no. I thought it was brilliant. And also I've seen, I can't remember offhand specifics right now, but I've seen other bands do that where you 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 maybe the second to last song is like a big hit, big rocker, big burner, and then they play the very last song something quieter and maybe acoustic or whatever it might be. But I always admired that. For me, I think it shows a lot of confidence as a performer that you can pull that off and hold the audience's attention like that and not end on the big rocking hit. But also, I feel as an audience member, like it gives you a moment to just breathe for a little bit. Like it's a little coda on this work and that they presented to you. And uh, so I thought it was brilliant. I just, I loved it entirely. So. Yeah, definitely. So there like, was that, and then but then you're right. on top, man. The, yeah, the, right. The big rock, the big rocker to end the show with the full band and like the volume cranked up. Like Rosalita for this show was the second to last song, and that was yeah mind blowing because awesome. Bruce comes out yeah in, in, in the little walkway in front of the pit yeah and everyone was just going losing going ape yeah and, and then Avenue freeze out where he introduces the band yeah. and it's just it's and then, all right, I'm going to send you off. And Brian Wilson, up until he didn't this last time, I saw him. And he his health was really bad last summer when I saw him. He was up with a walker. and and But always before, he always ended every show with love and mercy, right? I'm going to send you off with a little bit. Yeah. I agree with you, Jim. I loved it. But you asked me about the show overall. Let me just say this real quickly. Um, when I mentioned the working on the dream, working on a dream tour, I go into that and how mind blowing that show was to me. And at that point in time, Bruce was what, I guess in his late fifties, I want to say. Yeah, something like and that. I remember thinking to myself at that, like, I wonder how much longer he can do this. It's just the guy the three-hour shows and the amount of energy and everything that went into that, I was like, this, this can't continue. I can't do it. Here it is. All those years later, he's 73. And I don't notice that it's changed at all. He, it was great, Tim. We were just, we were right up there and got to yeah. up close and personal. But yeah. It's not just the length of the show. So I try to tell people, it's not just that he plays three hours. It's that he plays three hours at going to 11, turn to 11, every song. It, I'm talking about his energy level, I'm not talking about the volume. You know what I mean? Like yeah, he just, I do know. Yeah. He's like an athlete, but beyond that, because athletes don't, 
play for three hours straight in any in any sport, even college football, if right. they're on for three and a half hours, you get rest on when you're offense or defense or whatever. Yeah. And between plays and everything, this is three hours of high exertion at 73 years old. Yeah. It's yes. just amazing uh-huh. to me. It's amazing to me. And so I just, I, and I, as I was telling Tim, you, somebody who can hold your attention like that for three hours, that's a gift. That's a real talent. And we all know that exactly. But it's like, it could go four hours. It could go five hours. I'd still be hanging yeah. out there. I would never be looking at my watch. Like, when is this going to end? You know what I mean? It's just, it's an, it's, he's an amazing performer. Yeah. When I just recently had, and I'll send you the link to this. I had Craig Colby, who is a Canadian director, producer, writer of TV. And he tells, he has a theory. That's not unique, but this set list is telling a story. Much like Broadway, he's telling a story. And that's why there are not a lot of wild cards. He only has a couple of songs that he's switching out. He is doing the same set list overall every night, partly because he's going to a different city, people think, but also I have a story to tell. And Craig shared that, what each song, what it means. And it's a wonderful discussion. The other thing that I love, you guys talked about Kitty's Back. So I'm not a fan of Kitty's Back. I'm like, yeah, it's okay. And when I got home from the first show, because that's what I do, I it's like 1230 at night. My wife's gone to bed. My son is taking a rest. I pop up the podcast. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do a show. I said, I now need to apologize to Kitty's Back. I, I am so sorry. That was amazing. It's like we were transported into a jazz club right. with everyone doing all these different solos. And the guys at None But the Brave podcast brought up the fact it gives Bruce a rest. Yes. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yep. <laughs> he doesn't have to sing. He doesn't have to play the guitar. He gets to stand there, enjoy, and then, as you said, a great solo. And I'm like, I hadn't thought about that, but that's true. And so I love that. I love that the show is telling a story. Two hours and 45 minutes is what it's about averaging. When I'm being snarky with someone says, God, he used to go over three. Okay, one, he's 73. Two, if he added just a minute between songs, it would go over three. But he doesn't. The song ends. Yeah. He one, counts two, down three. the next one. Exactly. Not a lot of, yeah, not a lot of stage banter in this tour. I, I, I seem to recall more in past tours than yes. this one. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. I agree. And the other thought you mentioned, Jim, about the length, um, a buddy of mine, Dale, ended up going to New York for last year's Steve Earle's benefit for his son's school. And they ended up, they knew Bruce was going to perform, and his wife had asked him, what are you going to get? He goes, I think we'll get two or three acoustic songs. And instead, Bruce came out with the Dukes and did three or four songs with a band. (laughs) And and Dale said, I was happy. If I had just seen that, I would have 
okay, I got to see Bruce perform. I'm happy. He says it's not the length, it's the set and the energy. Yeah. The I said the same thing to 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 Jim talking about the first time that I saw Bruce on the 2012 tour that yeah. at, and just the anticipation of it was a similar sort of situation. I get a text from my cousin a couple days before the concert. He's like, hey, are you interested in seeing Bruce at Nats Park? I'm like, heck yeah. Yeah. And then when I'm standing there at the stadium and the show started and uh, it started with Prove It All Night. I yeah. remember the first song of that concert and Nils Lofgren just starting the song off with a really killer guitar solo and the cameras are zoomed in on his guitar work and like halfway through the song I turned to my buddy and I'm like I could go home right now and <laughs> I would be completely happy because I'm just at a Bruce Springsteen concert and I just got to see yeah. this person I've been listening to and enjoying like for most of my life like just play and looking around the stadium like everybody is happy here everybody is having a good time everyone is feeling this positive positive energy and i'm like what's better than this if he plays for two hours three hours one song i don't care the same thing is i'm gonna feel really grateful to be here just to be part of this experience yeah and but the other thing that I love is the, I keep reminding people, every show is someone's first show. I remember growing up reading comic books, and the first time I started getting into fandom, I remember creators saying, every comic book is someone's first comic book. So you have to build a comic book that is inclusive. You have to name who the characters are. You have to make the story big enough that they can follow along. They won't feel lost. They can get it. And every concert is someone's first concert. I cannot tell you, Tim and Jim, how many fans I've had that are in their early 20s that have never seen Bruce and the E Street Band live. Yeah. And in fact, you sent me one, Jim, right? You, yeah. And they're... They want to hear Born to Run. They want to hear Prove It All Night. And I and I say, good, enjoy that and show. You guys mentioned a little bit of highlights. Do you feel that he's any highlights you want to share? And then do you guys got that sense that this was a story as well? Jim, you want to go first? Yeah. I will, but I'll be pretty quick because I don't think I'm I don't think I was smart enough. I'm smart enough to pick up on the story. Okay. It was only, I think it was only after seeing you post something about that, yeah. uh, Jesse, on social yeah. media. And then I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I went back and, and thought about what I had experienced. But uh, no, I didn't, I guess I didn't really pick up on it there. Although it makes a lot of sense. And especially because with the Broadway show and all of that, he's been in storytelling mode <laughs> the last yeah. several yeah. years. But no, I, I, to interrupt just for a moment, yeah. someone made the joke, and I think it's valid, is that over the past three years, over the seven years, he's done an autobiography, he's done a, he read the autobiography, he's done a podcast with President Obama, he's done the Springsteen from my home to your E Street Radio, he's, you're tired of hearing me talk, I'm just going to play music. 
That's an interesting idea, but no, I guess I didn't really pick yeah. up on that. And then the, uh, as far as like, the set lists go, I'm not a person who looks at set lists ahead of time at any show I go to because I like the surprise factor. So I didn't really get caught up too much. I think I had seen some things about some people not happy that it was relatively static. That didn't really impact me because I didn't know what it was going to be. And, and I'm not going to multiple shows or anything like that. Yeah. But I will just say, if two things I'll say on that is, one, if that's something that helped him at this advanced age, put on a great show to not have to, to basically be able to do it in the roughly the same order every night or that kind of thing, yeah. if that's the thing that helps him, I'm totally willing to accept that trade-off. You know what I yeah. mean? So absolutely, there's that. But I also think when he does the other leg, and my friend Jason Goebel is the one who brought this up to me. I should give him credit, yeah. but I think it's true. When he does that that next leg of the tour where he hits the stadiums and he comes back through a lot of the same cities, I expect then he'll be changing things up. I uh, think so, too. Bit, right? Yeah. yeah, I agree. And I think there is that what Craig called them is birders. He said people who are bird watchers, they have books about birds they want to see, and they're searching, and they're looking. He said there are some fans that they have a book of songs they're chasing live. The anticipation of maybe I can get a wild card is part of the reason they're a joy. And I respect that. And what I would rather my judgmental is than say, Hey, I was 95% happy, would have been, eh, it had a little bit. I would have loved to hear Burning Train, but I got, if I was the priest, okay, I'm not going to complain. So that is great. How about you, Tim? Stories, thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, some thoughts. First of all, yeah, I misspoke earlier. One of the highlights was, it, Rosalita wasn't the second to last song. It was 10th Avenue Freeze Out, and that was the one that, like, the big... You know, yes. the goodbye for the band is our final song with the whole band together and Bruce out in front of the pit on the walkway there. Yeah. After two plus hours of shouting and clapping and hooting and hollering, I think by the end of 10th Avenue freeze out, because I was just like clapping along as hard as I could. My hands were just like, oh, my hands yes. are so sore. But it was so much fun. That was one of the highlights. And then, of course, that the final song there with Bruce, I'll See You in My Dreams by Himself, that was just, like, yeah, beautiful. Kitty's Back really stuck out to me because it that one surprised me because I it's almost like I didn't forget about the song, but I didn't expect him to play that. And yeah. I like the big, I like the big band arrangement and the kind of everyone's taking their turn at solos and stuff like that. Some of the, I don't keep a book of stuff like this, but to hear Badlands or Prove It All Night, like you play anything off of Darkness on the Edge of Town, and I'd be like, oh, I love this, this is the best song ever. Yeah. Uh, I loved Ghosts, even though that album is not, I'm not terribly familiar with it, but now on your yeah. recommendation and j talking to Jim, I'm going to become, I'm going to be listening to that album very closely. But that song, second song was Great. Uh, 
like sing along opportunities to sing along with the band like they were all opportunities but out in the street stood out as like a high energy song and i was just listening to that in the song in the car today just oh, oh yeah like sing along with that that was so much fun and uh, i think the, the other one is glory days even though I feel like I heard that song a zillion times and saw the video on MTV back in the day a million times, but like to hear it again and to, I'm in the same space with Bruce Springsteen singing this song that <laughs> everybody in the freaking world knows. Like, that's well, great. And, so, so a couple things, by the way, Out in the Street is my son's favorite song because he said, no matter who you are, no matter what you do for a living, whether you're a CEO or a entry-level person working at a gas station, on Monday morning, everyone has got Friday on their mind. And that lot. With the foreman calls time. And, and I love when he, he calls individual band members out in the street, Susie, and then Susie sings out in the street. Out in the yeah, street yeah, yeah. deals, they do that. So it's great. The other thing I love is I'm a big Penn and Teller fan, Magic, <laughs> and often you're like, when did they do that? I missed that. That band felt that way. Okay, we've got the band. Wait a minute, where did these horns come from? Yeah. Where did the backup seaters come from? Wait a minute. That, right. that was a nice surprise. And yes, you can argue all you want that why is he doing Glory Days? Why is he doing Dancing in the Dark? But in Houston, back in, I think, 2014, the show was over, and there was a very drunk lady in the – it was an outdoor arena, so it was at the kind of – where the restrooms were and the concession stands were. And she's, is it over? I'm like, yeah, he did a little over three hours, but he didn't play born in the USA. Yeah. He doesn't always play born in the USA, but it's his biggest hit. Yeah, yeah. I know, but he just doesn't always, how can he not play his biggest hit? <laughs> and so when people like, why is he doing glory days? Why? I said, Hey, he could do a three hour show. Just the songs Think of all the songs he doesn't do for And Glory Days or Dancing in the Dark, like, by no means are those my favorite Bruce no. Springsteen songs. And, and there are whole albums that he didn't play anything off of. Right. I love the Ghost of Tom Joad album yes. so much. But it's a different sort of listening experience, and it's probably yeah. not something that's going to get out to an arena full of thousands and thousands yeah. of people you know, but he could play he could have played anything off of any album i'm yeah. like hey man this is what i'm here for i'm happy sure. to hear it but yeah. Yeah, even even but even those more pop popular songs like dance in the dark like that was great it was so much fun what a great encore right yeah okay let's just party so jim i noticed yeah. you i was just gonna say my favorite song that he uh, the, the he played the other night trapped yeah oh my god that was so intense and so powerful just love that that was to me just a fantastic live experience absolutely that is great i i, I kept you guys way too long i appreciate it. this is so much fun
any final thoughts before I ask him the Mary question? I just thank you so much for having me on. It's, it's a lot of fun to talk about this Good. stuff. You are welcome anytime. And Jim, you know that the door is always open for you. Any thought words, final words, Jim? I think we pretty much covered what the things I want to say. I just, okay. I, I do agree with you. I want to second that as many sort of quote unquote hits as he plays, you could fill a whole another show with the hits that he doesn't play, right? It's yeah. just an amazing catalog. And, and the live shows really make you realize that. And the other thing I, I found, and this really struck me this time too, I don't know why exactly this one, but the variety of genre bending that he does with his music is quite impressive too. There are songs that are like soul songs, like 10th Avenue Freeze Out. There are songs that have sort of country or folk influence to them. There are, there are songs that are hard rockers. He, he really, he's a musical savant in that way. And, and his band, the, re the reason why the E Street Band has such a great reputation is because they can just adapt to whatever style he wants to do. But I mean, you see a live show like that and a guy who's that sort of, a, that varied in his approach and that adaptable, that's also really impressive. Most artists can't do that. You know, they have a lane. Right, yeah. they have to drive in, and, and this one's you know changing lanes constantly. Yeah. yeah, the I often think of not for musicians, but growing up loving Star Trek, William Shatner has a very narrow range of acting, but if you put him in that lane, he kicks it out of the park. I obviously I would have loved something from Western Stars. I. I would love three or more songs from the, the Souls cover album. That's a lot of fun. But I I think the other thing is he did a good job of going throughout his different catalog and the yep. years of giving a little bit of something to everyone. I so agree with that. Said, yep. said. Right, so, Tim, I end every podcast with the Mary question. What this is, is Jay Armstrong, who is a retired... English teacher, he would he would take his students and he would break apart Thunder Road as a poem. He would read the lyrics, they would talk about the themes, he would talk about of Robert Frost, the road not taken, their poetries, compare it. And then at the end of the two days, he would ask his class, does Mary get in the car? So Tim, that is your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? Oh, wow. It's a very, I'm an English teacher, so this is very interesting. Ah, I did not know that. Yeah. Yes. Um, I would say the author of this poem has done the wise thing, which is not to make the answer to the question explicit. We, it's not apparent in the lyrics of the song or in the words of this poem, whether or not Mary gets in the car at the end of the song. That said, there is a precedent that's been presented in the lyrics of Mary being a person of beauty who's hard to ha hang on to. She's left the trail of would-be suitors like 
behind her, like a wake. But the, uh, the narrator, the speaker in this poem is hoping that he's going to be the one to break the pattern and she's going to agree to go along with him. And I think because listening to the song and having that, listening to it with a romantic perspective, nobody's, I don't think it, I think it's, it's pretty unusual to romanticize about failing and being like, yeah, everyone goes through that experience where that one got away and it's going to hurt for some time. And I'll look back on this fondly. So I'm, I'm taking on this question, like with an optimist's point of view. And yes, Mary gets in the, it gets in the car with him at the end of the song. Otherwise, maybe the writer had been so de depressed that he wouldn't write a poem about it. He just go do something else. But it's a very intriguing question. But it's one of those like unsolvable puzzles. But I'd say, yeah, she does. But the writer did the wise thing not to make it clear because otherwise it's too easy to to digest but this way you leave it a mystery so tim i love that answer brian koppelman said the same thing he was the guy from billions said the same thing he says the purpose of the song is we don't know and that is what's perfect being an english teacher right the lady or the tiger i yeah, hated yeah. that short story i hated that because <laughs> i wanted the ending yeah uh, so yes 60% of my audience say yes, she gets in the car. About 40% say no. A percentage of say that I'm not really sure. A couple of quick answers, and then I'll let you guys go. One guy said that if it's Bruce and the E Street Band, she absolutely gets in the car because it's a happy ending. If it's Bruce doing it solo, it's not. Oh, <laughs> I like that. I like that. I like that. That's a good one. Yeah, and uh, the other one is... They said, one, that, yes, she gets in the car because on Racing in the Street, she talks about she sits on her daddy's porch. He says, that's the same porch that's from Thunder Road. And then one of my favorites is, yes, she gets in the car. They moved to California. And the song Moonlight Motel from Western Stars is him mourning her death. Oh, wow. wow. That's deep. Yeah, that is wow. very deep. <laughs> I wonder so, if anyone has ever posed, asked Bruce, hey, Bruce. I've been asked that, would I quit asking it if I ever got lucky enough to have him on the show? And I said, no, because Isaac Asimov told a great story that he was at a lecture. Uh -huh. He was talking about a short story and someone raised their hand and said, that's not what the story is about, Dr. Asimov. And he said, I wrote the story. I think I know what the story is about. And the person in the audience says, just because you wrote it, what makes you think you know what it's about? And Dr. Asimov in his autobiography said, I think you're right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And so I think from my perspective, Bruce probably knows what he meant, but it's ultimately to us. And that's why it's a fun way to end the podcast. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. yeah. Once you write the song and send it out there, it you've lost control over yeah. interpretations that might develop about the song. Yeah. It's not uh, yours anymore. No. All right. So Jim, if someone wants to reach you, how can they? Oh, I would say a couple things I'll say is 
You can find Rock in the Suburbs on at suburbspod.com. That's probably the best place if you want to start listening. But any podcast platform, uh, we're there and you can listen. We also have another thing we started, we launched like a year ago called Rock in the Suburbs Radio, which is 24-7 streaming radio. Tim Hoffman right here is one of our DJs. He has a show once a week. I have a show once a week. It's on Fridays, Friday nights, 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern time, and then it gets replayed 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern time on Sundays. But the name of my show is The Last Chance Power Drive. Ah, nice. So, <laughs> if you yes. weren't going to mention that, I was going to mention yeah, that. Yeah, so it's uh, it's not a Springsteen-themed radio show, but I took the line because it was like, it felt to me like a good name for a weekend show, especially a Friday drive time kind of thing. The Last Chance Power Drive. So there you go. So there's that. But anyway, you can find us on Twitter or Facebook at Suburbs Pod or Instagram too at Suburbs Pod. Awesome. We're at both places. And Tim, how about you? You can find me at Chantilly High School teaching. Yeah. For Rockin' the Suburbs Radio, I do a two-hour program every Tuesday. I try to do it live. It's been like 60, well, over a year now. I'm on episode 61 right now working on that. And it is called Mixtape with Tim Hoffman. And I just try to put together, sometimes there's a theme, sometimes there's a little angle to it. and. I tried to put together, just as back in the day when we made mixtapes for friends or girlfriends or whatever, and just, I'm going to pick this song out. So try to curate songs for my collection and find some new music, old music, and put something together that's special and, you know, have a side and a B-side, just like a cassette tape mixtape, two hours long. It's very cool. It's great. It's great. And I forgot to mention for that, you can go to suburbsradio.com. You can listen, live stream there. It's free. And... uh, and then we also have some phone apps. If you prefer, just download the Rock in the Suburbs radio phone app, free app on your phone, and you can listen to it that way as well. Yeah, and all yeah, the programs, all the programs, I think if you're not able to listen live or listen to the replay of the program, they are uploaded pretty promptly afterward into Mixcloud. So archives of all the different radio programs yeah. are available in that application. So it's been a lot of fun. Very cool. So if you are not normally a regular listener of Set Lessing Bruce and you're here because you want to hear from Tim and Jim, thank you for joining us. I did want to not only to Set Lessing Bruce talk about Springsteen and other musicians, but I have a brand new podcast called Perfectly Good Podcast, John Hyatt from A to Z. I am I'm going, we, me and Sylvan Groth are going through every John Hyatt song in alphabetical order because I didn't have enough podcasts. <laughs> Jim's <laughs> laughing at me because he's, yeah. And John Hyatt is someone who does not get a lot, as a lot of press or as a thing. I think he is a brilliant singer songwriter and that's been a lot of fun for us to do. So thank you, Tim. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Jesse. Thanks, Jim. Uh, we appreciate you. We will talk to you soon. Be kind, be safe. Goodbye. I want to give a major shout out to the patrons of this podcast. They kick in a few dollars every month to help me with podcast expenses. I want to send a special love and thank you to Mary, Chris, Anna, Terry, Dale, Steve, Stephen, Levi, 
Betsy, John, Bella, Crystal, Rob, Randy, Steve, Fernando, and Yetta. Thank you all so much for all you do to help me. You are my angels. There we go. Another episode. I'm about to go through a couple of things where you can reach me and give me feedback. Um, so if you want to skip this, I understand. But I do hope you check it out every once in a while. I'm available on Twitter at Jesse Jackson DFW. The show is available at SetLustingBruce. You can send me an email, setlustingbruce at gmail.com. You can send me a voicemail at 469-249-2442. I am currently doing a few other podcasts, perfectly good podcast, John Hyatt from A to Z, where Sylvan Groth and I discuss every John Hyatt song in alphabetical order. My Babylon 5 podcast is Last Best Hope for Conversation, where Lou, Karen, and I discuss every episode of Babylon 5 in chronological order. I still am doing Next Stop Everywhere, the Doctor Who podcast with my brother in time, Charles Skaggs. And then finally, How Many Podcasts, the only podcast on the internet that counts, where my buddies and I discuss pop culture. You can go to our Patreon page and support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month. You can go to our Facebook page, like, and please, please go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and leave a five-star rating and review for all of the podcasts that I'm doing. It's okay if you don't listen to them, but if you subscribe and rate, it really will make my day better. Thank you, and I will talk to you soon. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, said Listing Bruce. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.